podcast family. Welcome to Motherhood in Black and White. I'm Kanji. I'm Tara. And this week, we are going to share some bad parenting advice that we've received over the years. But before we dive into that topic, let us rejoice. We are recording this episode on the evening of Judge Katanji Brown Jackson's confirmation to become the first Black American female Supreme Court Justice. Yay! So happy. I will share with you, Tara, that I was much more emotional than I thought I would be. Really? I expected it. I mean, you texted me. I had one of those days where I didn't really look at my phone today, and you texted me. I didn't see it till much later. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, are you crying? So I didn't watch it in real time. Yeah. Because I know, trigger alert, right? Yeah. And I knew there was going to be some nonsense going on. Right. And of course, I was right. Um, for the reasons that you said a couple of episodes ago about the politi- politicization. Politis- uh, that sounds right. Politicization. We just going to make up words. <laughs> the, the politics <laughs> of, of the confirmation of judges on the Supreme Court. <laughs> right, right. So I didn't watch it and I got an alert on my work computer and it said that she had been confirmed. Mm. And I wept. I believe it. I wept in a way that I had not wept since 2008 when President Obama was first elected president of the United States. Very similar for you, yes. It it was such a similar feeling. And then there were a couple of group texts that I was on with other friends of mine who were Black female attorneys. And I was like, how anyone going to expect us to get work done this (laughs) afternoon? Uh, Yes, absolutely. And for those people who maybe can't understand or relate to what it feels like, I would just say, you know, at some point in our lives, many of us have been the first to do something, Mm -hmm. whether it's the first person in your family to get a passport or the first person to go to college or to go to graduate school or to own a home or to get married before having children. When that happens, there is a sense and a feeling that there are some generational curses or traumas Mm. or things and the entire trajectory of either your life or people who share identities with you, their lives are changing. And that's what I felt in this moment. I really felt like I could look at any little brown girl and say, little brown girl, you can be anything. Mm. Because I never, even when I was going to law school or when I was a practicing attorney, I never thought I was going to be a Supreme Court justice or that I could be. Mm. And so what I heard and and what's been said many times is if you can't see it, you can't be it. Well, now we've seen it and now we can all be it. Mm. I don't even want to respond. That's so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I feel like I want you to have your moment because you you should. And and it's amazing. I was just like, how many times can I just type black girl magic? (laughs) Not enough. Never, never enough time. Never (laughs) enough time. Never enough time. But but that's something that I just wanted to say, Um, you know, another ceiling has been shattered. Mm -hmm. Um, A black female is now occupying or will in the fall term occupy a seat on the United States Supreme Court. And she is not only a black woman. She is a mother. She's Mm -hmm. a working mother. And so let's give homage to her, a woman who is extremely qualified for this position. So kudos, a position well-achieved and Mm well-earned. I'm celebrating with you. Yeah, we should all celebrate. We are all celebrating. Okay. And we all have different ways of celebrating. Yes. So how would you celebrate and how are you celebrating this win? 
I when you sent me the text, I I mean, I just really got a huge smile on my face. I mean, we've done we've obviously we've had females in the Supreme Court, so I know what that experience looks like. But I, even though it's a little bit of a different layer for me personally, I can feel it. I can feel it with my friends, and I definitely knew how important it was to you, and and that makes me really happy and. You were probably celebrating by playing some 90s hip hop. What was on your playlist driving here? I celebrate every day listening to 90s hip hop. <laughs> what was I listening to today? Oh, I had a I had a little 90s R&B girl power going on with some Mariah and some Cherish and some SWV. There you go. I was killing it. There you go. Yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. So as I mentioned at the very top of the show, today we're going to take a few minutes to talk about bad parenting advice that we've received. As we began season three, we touched on some topics that were a little heavy and and kind of um, made us pause and reflect a little bit. And both of us, Tara, I think, try to always balance and infuse some of the heaviness of the world and in our lives with some humor. That's correct. So um, Mm -hmm. that's what we're going to try our best to do today. Back in 2016, a movie came out, which was... um, kind of like a box office blockbuster called Bad Moms. Did you see that? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And Bad Moms was about certain behavior that some suburban moms that were engaged in, which quote unquote, were were not um, typical of what should be the mom's behavior. It wasn't the like uh, ideal. Correct. Right. (laughs) And it made me wonder and question, listen, all of us start this motherhood journey with the best of intentions. Mm -hmm. And everyone starts a journey because we don't want to just be good moms. We want to be the best moms. And sometimes we are parenting because of what we have seen and what had been modeled to us when we were kids. And sometimes it's the exact opposite. I was going to say, or it's what we didn't get modeled. (laughs) Right. And for a lot of us, and again, we talked earlier about kind of you can be what you can see. Mm. If you don't have that um, vision or model, sometimes we rely on people around us and we absorb a whole bunch of advice and we are looking to see like, what can I do to be the best mom I can be? Mm -hmm. And what we have learned, my friend Tara, over the years is that some of the advice we are given either through books or through media or through friends or family is not always the best advice. It is not always the best advice. And we have found out some of us the hard way. Yeah, we have to learn what works for us in the very hardest ways possible. Find out what works for each of us. So let's start off. I would love to hear from you. What is um, some of the bad advice that you've received? And if you care to share where you received it from. Yes. Um, let me think about which one I want to start with here. I think I think the one I was thinking about the most is, and I don't know if you have this experience having a son, but there would be times when Gage was, you know, I think between like three and five. And, you know, he was wild and people would be like, oh, he'll just grow out of it. Like, just ignore it. That's just boys will be boys. And I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> like, hold on, guys. And so, you know, there were things that I that we, you know, had checked out with him and you know we got some help for him so we could address some of that behavior early on but I remember just hearing people tell us all the time like oh that's just normal like he'll grow out of it like just let him be and and I was just like we can't live like this (laughs) (laughs) I like the way that you said Gage was wild was wild he's a lot more laid back than he was then for sure but he's still sassy absolutely because he's your child that's right he is the spitting image of me 
So the advice that you received was kind of just let him be, boys will be boys. Yeah. And that whole mantra, right? That cliche. Yes. yes. And we, I think that's one of those things that is different now than when we were kids. I think there's a lot more support for, you know, varying uh, spectrums of behavior. And it's not just like, oh, they're kids. Let them grow out of it. Like sometimes they need a little support on, you know, just some help with some development stuff. And we ended up getting him a little bit of help during that time and it went a long way. So I was glad we didn't just like sit back and wait for it to pass. I love that for you. Yeah. I love that for you and your family. What about you? The first piece of bad parenting advice I received was actually when Roman was in utero. Mm -hmm. So here's the story behind it. I got married on April 18th. 2009 no 2008 oops <laughs> what year was it <laughs> april 18th 2008 and uh five weeks later memorial day weekend i was at a wedding and um noticed that the dress was a little tight but i thought that was because i was gaining the weight post wedding mm-hmm. and i went to bed after the wedding and i had a dream of something like, mama mama and i was like wait i might be pregnant so i go to the bathroom And of course, as any 30-something child does, I call my mother. Uh This was, you know, back before we texted and we actually made phone calls. So I (laughs) call my mom in the middle of the night and because she knows better, she answered the phone. And I said, Mom, I might be pregnant. I think I'm pregnant. She's like, what? Why do you think you're pregnant? And I said, well, you know, I had a dream. I have tender breasts. I might be pregnant. Mm. And the advice my mother gave me in that moment, she said, you know what? To find out pee in some bleach. (laughs) I've heard this. (laughs) And so I am thinking, you know, with all the degrees I have to my name, Uh I was like, mom, why do you want me to pee in a bottle of Clorox bleach? Wouldn't that kind of like go into my (laughs) hoo-hoo and the fumes? Like the steam? I don't know. (laughs) That just seems wrong. And my mother on the other line, she's like, no, Dodo, pee in a cup. (laughs) (laughs) and then pour bleach into it and if it turns green you're pregnant and i'm like this is some old school back country um advice like right like using back in the day back in the day yeah and so i was like first of all i don't know if i have a cup in my bathroom (laughs) so i had never heard that before but what's funny is i didn't do it I, i ended up finding a pregnancy test i took one and it was positive and you know, the rest is history. Here we are 13 and a half years later. But the advice to pee and bleach. Mm. Ladies, if you think you may be pregnant, do not take that advice from your mother or any love or trusted relative, friend or whatever. <laughs> you know, you can get a pregnancy test at the dollar store. I'm just saying. <laughs> but, but that's like Because the way that things, the advice that people used to take yeah. a century ago, or not my mom's a century year old, but even a generation ago, some of that parenting advice really outdated. Yes. And things that we probably shouldn't do now. Right. Yes, I agree with that. Yes. Yeah. And you were showing me that article about some bad parenting advice from, was it the 1920s? Oh, right. Yes. Yes. I saw that article on you know, BuzzFeed makes those great lists and we'll have to post it for our listeners. But they had like a list of really bad parenting advice from the 1920s and somewhere from like the 1800s. And I think one of my favorites that I saw on that list is there's a picture of a baby in a cage hanging out of a window. And the advice was in the 30s so that babies could get more fresh air and sunshine. 
that you hang baby cages out of these tenement windows. So they have like a playpen, but it's hanging out off the building, <laughs> which I got to tell you, kind of genius. <laughs> but sometimes when we hear parenting advice, you got to just think, but what does common sense dictate? Right. 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 Like, does it make sense that I'm going to just put a baby outside the window? And people did that. Yes. Yes. My favorite tip from the 1920s that was in that BuzzFeed articles, they said that women used to be um, told to start potty training their kids right after birth. And that if that were possible, then they could be potty trained by six or seven months. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I've seen, you know, it's interesting because I think there's still a faction of people who try that like not that they're trying to potty train them but that they take them in there just to get them accustomed to it and I'm like listen when that baby was first born I was barely getting myself to the bathroom so if you think I'm gonna get the baby to the bathroom that's not happening it was not happening no it was not oh gosh yes I love that did you have any other tips that maybe you um were told when Gage was an infant or toddler or young kid or even now that he's a preteen the one that sticks out to me that I was thinking about and this is also just in hindsight for myself a funny tidbit is how willing like my parents were to give a child some version of alcohol (laughs) for teething or like when they're sick you know the hot toddy I'm like Hold on. I mean, there is a pretty intense story about when I was a baby and teething, and it it's not a great story. <laughs> and you're a, and you're here in we your... are now, 21 years later, sober. <laughs> you were drinking I, since you I came was, out the womb. I was. And and I think it's so interesting because even now that I've been sober, even when I had Gage, people would recommend it. They'd be like, oh, you know, just like my grandmother, just rub whiskey. I'm like, uh, hold up. That is not what's happening in my house. But that's how, and I think people still do. And people did it. It was pretty well known when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Oh. And even now, I think some people, uh, the advice is if your child is having a hard time sleeping, yeah. give the baby some NyQuil oh, or Robitussin. Or Benadryl. Benadryl. Yes. It is wild to me. That is wild to me. I had that. Someone told me before I took Roman on his first cross-country flight he was five months old before we went from new york to los angeles someone said yeah just give him benadryl before you get on the plane and i kind of looked at him all sorts of sideways yes like hmm. like drug my child oh, oh okay i guess that's one way to do it i may drug myself to get through the flight <laughs> i'm a grown adult with i can consent to that <laughs> it's like flight attendant can i just have some more of those little oh minis on the plane yes that actually was on my list was as well. it okay mm-hmm. yeah that was a big one when i was a kid i felt like we were all drinking before we should have been <laughs> in some form or fashion The other piece of advice that I have is kind of the companion to the drinking, which is an eating um, piece of advice. I was told as a parent was don't let your kid ever leave food on the plate. You know, you can't get up from the table if there's food on the plate. And so what I think it taught me and again, my entire life, I've had challenges with with food Mm. and my weight and knowing when I'm full because I think my stomach is just overstretched from always cleaning my plate because growing up it was there's some starving kids in Africa Mm -hmm. right who would Mm -hmm. love to have this food so you can't leave the table until you eat every morsel of food off your plate right I realized having a child of my own and trying to go through the process is a he's not going to like everything that I make Mm -hmm. um 
and none of us do. Not every person or human is going to eat everything on the planet. And it teaches him to kind of start to understand what his preferences are. And it teaches about intuitive eating, how you can start to identify when your body is full and you just stop. But if we as parents are asking or or coaching our kids to kind of keep eating, then they don't have that little stop mechanism in their brain that's not really formed. Right. It's it's sort of a forced effort to not allow for portion control and understanding how much you want. And none of us are getting portions right half the time anyway. So th- then they're just eating even more. It's, I mean, I still like you, you and I share that. We both have struggles with that. Another thing we could blame our mothers for. That's right. It's all their <laughs> fault for sure. Did you have one more piece of advice? Oh, this one's not as funny. But one of the things that I always think of is the forced affection you know, like mm-hmm. when we were kids and, you know, we had to hug uncle so-and-so or you had to give kisses to everybody before you left. And um, I just hate that. And we don't enforce that, you know, with Gage. We never really have. And we get comments on it sometimes from our parents and our family because it seems so strange to everybody because we were always like, oh, you're supposed to be affectionate. I'm like, well, if I don't like them, I'm not going to hug them. I'm not going to make Gage do it either. So... That was one of those things that we were pretty strict about from day one. Yeah, I agree. Um, and same. Yeah. And even now as an adult, if I don't like you, I'm not going to give you any <laughs> physical touch or attention. That's right. That's my boundary. <laughs> <laughs> and the same thing for my kid. I realized that the forced affection, I'm not going to um, ask him to engage in any sort of physical behavior or touch with anybody if he's not comfortable and willing to do it. What he will do is he will show respect Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Um, but that kind of is what I ask of him. Yeah, I think there's a whole new conversation about, you know, consent and how early it starts mm-hmm. and how if we start from the very beginning, then, you know, our kids are going to do a lot better than we did in that way. Yeah. And for that, I am grateful. Me too. The The last piece of bad parenting advice that I received, and this, again, is always something that divides parents and divides generations but i heard you know spare the rod spoil the child Mm. and that is when he does something wrong Mm. better spank him Mm -hmm. take out the belt Mm -hmm. (laughs) um take out the hand and spank them and i will say that one thing that my my partner my husband and i agreed on very early was that we were not going to use corporal punishment or physical discipline to discipline our child and we didn't and again i think that that for me was a way of not just setting a boundary and thinking and saying, I'm going to do things differently than the way things were done in my house mm-hmm. and with my family members. But there's a kind of like a generational trauma, like there's trauma in, in my DNA and there's trauma in my ancestors about and behind and around um, physical punishment right. as a form of creating a relationship with not just family members, but mm-hmm. then we talk about um, even adults that were formerly enslaved that were whipped and beaten and kind of how that was passed on as a form of discipline in the black community for many generations. Mm -hmm. And I think in my mind, it was a way of saying enough is enough, right? I'm, it's going to stop with me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, we agree on that. I grew up, you know, with physical um, punishment in many forms and we haven't been perfect at it. I've definitely had moments with Gage when he was little in a, you know, a heightened um, action. I've, you know, popped him on the 
the butt maybe once or twice, very few times. So I won't say we've been perfect at it, but we've got a pretty clean record on it. And we, you know, we both agreed on that in the early times. And what I do say is I respect any parent's decision Mm -hmm. to um, discipline their child. Um, And again, there is a fine line between discipline and abuse. Right. (laughs) Obviously. Right. You can discipline your child within reason. And sometimes it's just taking the moment to say, like, why am I doing this? Why am I engaging in this behavior? Mm -hmm. Am I engaging in this because this is what I know? Mm -hmm. Is there another way? Is there potentially a better way in this situation? And that's with respect to any type of discipline. That's the timeouts. That's the taking away of things. And it's like finding what currency your kid um, uses when you're trying to to um, to negotiate with them or to discipline them. And then like, am I taking away kind of whatever currency they deal in? Is that taking away things that they like to do? Um, Am I taking away an activity that they're involved in? Mm -hmm. And just kind of figure out like what works best for you and your parenting style. But just being aware and being mindful of kind of like why it is that we do what we do and what is the result that we want to get from from whatever we're disciplining them doing. Right. Is it um, is it a correction or is it trying to scare them into doing something different. I know that's one of the things that I always try to like get in my mind. Like, am I actually trying to teach him something here or am I just mad? (laughs) Like, let's be real. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard as a human person in a human world. And it's hard not to get mad with these little humans that are just asserting their own independence in my house. I'm like in my house that I pay for eating the food that I bought and made. You can't be independent (laughs) in my house. That's right. But I, you know, the one piece of advice that I did take from my childhood, and I will share some, some good parenting advice that I received, was just to follow your instinct, right? And it's just like, you know, you question a lot, I think, as parents when we find out and we have those 10 months to prepare for this little human coming into our lives or however you come upon and come along your parenting journey, there's usually a little bit of time to prepare for that day. Um, and during that time of preparation, it's worrying. It's like, am I going to um, be the type of parent that I had? Mm. Am I going to be better or different? And then you're trying to figure it all out, right? And then sometimes the decisions we make are based off of the books we read, like what to expect when you're expecting. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. had it too. Um, I, you know what? I didn't. What? I, was a, I was not a researcher when I was pregnant. I was like a real like, I'm just going to do my thing. I did not do a lot of research. I think I read like one book when he was born about like his brain development wonder weeks is the only one i read everything else was like i'm just gonna see what happens you just gonna play it by ear so unlike me by the way (laughs) but i did i was like i just don't want to have any expectations it was it was a strange time and also very healthy of you i love that i think i mean i felt good about it because i didn't there were a lot of things i saw some friends struggle with that i was like well i didn't really know what to expect so it all went just fine you know Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of that yeah yeah as we look back at this journey thus far, again, we're not at the end of it. We're not at the end of it until we take our last breath. Yeah, that's basically right. Because uh, you basically are going to be a parent for the rest of your natural life and, and then probably even beyond. But as we look back kind of like where we are, I will share that tidbit to follow your instinct and kind of just trust you know, that mother's intuition, mm-hmm. it's going to kind of lead you on the right path. What is some uh, one piece of really good parenting advice that you received? You know, I think it's the no expectations. I don't think I made that up by myself. I think somebody told me that, like, 
I don't know if you had this experience, but when I got pregnant, not only was I getting a lot of bad advice, but I was just getting a lot of advice. Like everybody's like, make sure you do this and watch out for this and wait till this. And, and I'm just like, oh, okay. And I remember I had a friend that was like, listen, you just, you can't plan for it. You can't, you don't know what you're going to get. It's, it's different for every single person. So just try to relax and enjoy it and not have any expectations. And I mean, it really, it really helped me a lot. I think that's going to be what I'm going to focus on the next five years. That I no have expectations. Wrote. I'm going to try to relax uh-huh. and have no expectations for these teenage years. Yes. Now that I'm parenting a 13-year-old, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yes. I was just telling somebody today, we were talking about Gage, because he'll be 12 this year. And I just told you, I mean, he's getting, he's about as big as me. Mm-hmm. And every day I'm just like, I don't know what's coming, but this is wild. <laughs> I need to get that embroidered on a t-shirt or something. Just say no expectations. No expectations. And that's going to be my motto going forward. And I hope that uh, each and every one of you podcast family has a motto that kind of gets you through your journey um, as a parent, as a person. And whatever that is, I hope that you use it to stay mindful of just being the best human that you can be each and every day, whatever that looks like. And just know that whatever it looks like is good enough. (laughs) We love having you with us each week. And it's been so much fun being back for season three. Make sure that you've followed us on whatever listening platform you're on. So you catch all of our upcoming episodes. We're going to be here each week with you. And if you have a second and you can rate and review us on whatever listening platform you're on, we'd love to hear from you. You can also catch us on Instagram at at Black and White Momcast. With that being said, Tara and I are going to sign off this episode. Guard your health, mental, physical, and spiritual. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Be good, podcast family.